Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Grain Feed, brought to you by EverAg. This is your weekly news feed for all things grain and all things feed. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives from an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping dairy and livestock producers manage their risk. I'm your host, Jim Matthews, reporting from the home office in Chicago on a much warmer spring morning. Very much hoping we have finally turned that corner. Better temperatures here on out in Chicago, knock on wood. Uh, but joining me today, as always, from Texas, Director of Feed Procurement, Mr. Jake Kingsley, and making his first appearance on the grain feed from Platteville, Wisconsin, fellow member of the feed team at Everag, but also a grain and feed marketing advisor, Mr. Brandon Wagle. Team, how are we today? Doing pretty good, Jim. Doing well. How are you this morning? I'm doing pretty good. Brandon, I still don't think I got your name right. I, I went from Wagle to Wagle. It's Waggle, right? Waggle. Brandon Waggle, beautiful. Brandon Waggle, you grew up on a row crop farm in the Midwest, in Wisconsin. Um, you still help out a bit. Are we done planting yet in your neck of the woods? We are. Our neck of the woods, so southwest corner of the state. Uh, most guys down here have been making really solid progress. You get up north, it's been a little bit slower. Um, so if you look at the state of Wisconsin as a whole, we're about 14% planted as of Monday um, versus 25% the last five years. So a little bit behind pace, um, but most of the south and south central regions are right on track. Okay, good deal. Good to hear. And then obviously things farther south, you get into our territory in Illinois, we are well ahead of pace here. So hopefully things warm up uh, for those trying to roll some planters north of you guys. And we'll touch more on that here in a moment. But first, Paige, if you would kindly timestamp the broadcast, it's Thursday morning. Markets are mostly lower across the board. We're waiting for that monthly WASD report tomorrow on Friday. So keep that in mind when you are viewing this show. The report will be released Friday at 11 a.m. Chicago time. That's the monthly WASD report. The grain markets are clearly anticipating a bearish report, especially the grain markets themselves, right? We have corn down a solid uh, let's say seven to ten cents. We have July futures trying to stay near that 580 number, but well established below 590, and of course, then six dollars. These futures trying to bring it back towards that recent low of 512 ish. We're hovering 515 as we record right now. Beans have managed to recover. We've got July back to 14 bucks. November trying to bring its way back up to 1250. And then meal, that stubborn little byproduct. We've got July back up eight bucks. As we record the show and December just wants to make its way back to 400. We've been trying to get folks protected here sub $400 this week, but it gets awfully stubborn as we push that 390 type figure. So let's turn things back to the grain markets and what's driving these prices. We'll go back to Brandon. Brandon, what is your take on the grain markets this morning? Yeah, so we've been seeing a lot of softness here the last few weeks, specifically, um, mostly due to China coming in and canceling a ton of big export orders. So most recently this week, they canceled another 272,000 metric tons. So this puts them at 832,000 metric tons since mid-April that they've come in and canceled. So that obviously puts a big damper on our export markets. And then you combine that with really good planting progress across the Midwest, across the United States. 
um, especially with the large acreage number that we're expecting to put in. It just hasn't provided any sort of good news for the corn market here in the near term. Good deal, Brandon. Thank you for that. And we go back to that figure that you mentioned there, the cancellations. We're, we're talking a solid at least 10 to 12 vessels of corn, right, that would have been leaving the U.S. that are now staying. So really affecting that uh, supply picture, especially on, on old crop, more of an impact there. But then indirectly, potentially on tomorrow's WASD, you're going to see a larger carry-in figure for new crop. And as planners keep rolling, as you stated, Brandon, uh, potentially we then have a justifiably large acreage report at the end of March, uh, giving us a looser balance sheet here for the new crop year. Uh, so lots to digest there. Uh, speaking of digesting, Brandon, you've got some little piggies up there in Wisconsin. Anything to report on the hog markets before we turn it to Jake? Yeah, so we've seen some softness in the hog markets here in the last few weeks and, and even months here. Um, so there's been quite a bit of large sow herd liquidation um, in the Midwest that's really pressured these markets short term. Um, now, the good thing I would say, we take all this production out of play um, you know, maybe it turns things around a little bit as we look out nine to 12 months from now. Um, but here in the short term, there's just a lot of sows being cold, meats going onto the open market. Um, there's just a very large inventory of hogs right now. So our supplies are very abundant. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that insight. We don't often touch on the hog market too much here. It's usually dairy and then cattle in terms of our livestock, but good to get that insight. And of course, those producers as well have been struggling with their feed prices. Uh, so not just our uh, cattle and dairymen out there, um, these high feed prices have really been impacting folks across the industry. Uh, speaking of high feed prices, Jake, let's turn it to you. So Brandon's got to feed those piggies. We got our dairymen trying to feed some cows. So what's happening in the feed markets this morning? Well, uh, much like we've seen in futures, we're seeing some pressure on the basis side of, of our feed pricing here. I think, like you said, cancellations on some exports. We're probably going to see a little bit lower feed demand as we move a handful of animals out of the feed space over the next few months. And so we've seen a little bit of pressure on old crop, but that side has been fairly stagnant for both protein and corn. I think the bigger move is looking at new crop here. Uh, we talked previously about canola starting to soften up and we saw probably about a $15 a ton break in canola basis over the last week or so. So basis numbers on canola, particularly in the western half of the country, are back to within what I would call a normal basis range. Numbers that we hadn't seen since before the Canadian drought in the summer of 2021 that knocked out about a third of their yield. We're well within that range. California is nearing a 40 under basis. The Texas Panhandle's darn close to 50 under. You're seeing some spots in the western part of the Corn Belt that are now something closer to 75 under type of fob. I think there's maybe a little bit of softness left to go in canola basis here just because the Canadian balance sheet continues to grow. Back in December, they were expecting 500,000 metric tons of ending stocks. January or February kicked it up to about 800,000 metric tons. And then here, this last report at the end of April pushed out a 1.1 million metric ton ending stocks. Their comfort zone's usually somewhere in that 1.2 to 1.5 million 
metric tons and they're right up against the bottom edge of that range. So, uh, you know, I think with futures being down here near the 390 mark for December, you're looking at roughly a 385 forward curve for the clock contract. I wouldn't be afraid to step in and buy, you know, maybe half of your October to March needs if you feel like this is a good place to put something up against a little bit of milk for the next crop year. But I think you can also afford to be patient if you if you don't want to jump into it here. I don't think you got to go load the boat up by any means, but uh, definitely some good opportunities there. I think maybe more opportunity to come. And now we're starting to feel something similar in soybean meal. Uh, the eastern part of the country where all of these crush plants and beans are grown have already felt a little bit of pressure on meal basis. And they're starting to feel a little bit more, you know, as acres get in the ground, some places catch some rain. And we know there's more crush capacity going to come online. So I think uh, we've got room to bring soybean meal basis down another $15, $20 a ton before this is all said and done, especially as you bring on additional crush capacity, maybe in Q3 and 4 of 24. So a little bit of patience there, but I, I don't think it hurts to take advantage of this break in futures again if, if you really want to get something knocked out. And then on the corn side, we've been talking about this for a while. So Brandon talked, you know, we've had quite a few export cancellations by China. That's going to bring in a little bit of a fluffier balance sheet as we start the new crop year. Acres are going in nicely. We're expected to have a lot of corn acres and we're ahead of normal pace in a lot of the main growing regions. And then importantly for our folks that are in these rail dependent markets out in, again, in the western half of the U.S., that are really reliant on the plain states to have a good crop. We've had some risk premium built in there, waiting to see if we're going to get a good crop out of that. Again, remaining patient to try and catch some rains and some good planting there. Well, those guys are roughly 3 to 5% ahead of their normal pace, ahead of the five-year average pace for corn planting. And now across the Texas Panhandle, Kansas, Nebraska, the Dakotas, They've all had maybe an inch or in some spots a couple inches of rain in the last week or 10 days, and they've got another couple of inches in the forecast for the next week to 10 days going forward. The combination of early planting and timely rains typically bodes well for some yields. Uh, if we can keep this weather pattern going for another 60 days or so, um, and so now all of a sudden we're starting to hear some chatter from some of these corn vendors out west of, you know, I, I'd like to sell this basis number that I'm showing today, 230, 240 in California, 180, 190 in the panhandle for processed corn. But I can't in good faith tell my customers that they should buy it because I feel like we could maybe get a little bit of a slide here if things continue to go well. So again, patience. We're not out of the woods. We've got to have some rains. We've got to produce the crop. But we've taken a nice step in the right direction here in the last couple of days. And giving us a little bit of a, uh, an excited feeling as we move through the planting season here. So, Excellent. Thank you, Jake. And the, the, the difference between the corn and soybean meal and or protein markets, uh, to touch on your notes of the basis component being under pressure with, with corn, we've seen the futures market well under pressure, rewarding both sides of that cash price for those feeding. Um, but the protein market, the futures market is just not quite giving us what we want. We've taken a solid 30 to $40 per ton off the board uh, on new crop, right? December meal futures. We'd really like to see that number push through 390 and have, have some better opportunities. So as you said, basis helping us out, 
a bit in protein, but we want that futures market to do the same. So perhaps we can get some of that relief as we move forward through the spring and into summer. So I think tomorrow's WASDI report might also dictate how these markets move through the rest of spring and early summer. So to borrow from Kathleen and Phil's Dairy Download podcast, bold predictions for tomorrow's WASDI. Jake, bold prediction tomorrow's WASDI report. Oh, man. Okay, I think we're going to see ending stocks come in higher than the expected range here. Maybe we get something closer to 1.45 billion bushels ending stocks. Okay, so the, not a huge increase, but I think the range has been a little bit narrow. Okay, so this is on the this is on the corn balance sheet. You are expecting ending stocks to come in above the market expectations. I think so. Boy, so we're talking $5 corn for you, Jake. You said be bold. <laughs> good man, good man. Brandon, bold predictions. Tomorrow's WASDI report. Yeah, so I think that they probably come in and make a fairly sizable cut to corn exports and also maybe shave off a little bit on the ethanol usage side of things as well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see the ending stock numbers on corn come in around that 1.4 area as well. Okay, excellent. So you are also seeing some of this end stock increases, but driven partially from ethanol usage, which has, for the most part, guys, has been running pretty strong, uh, safe to say, but there is potential to have that slowing down somewhat or perhaps not be as aggressive as the USDA's projections. I think the disappointments are going to come from the South American side. I don't think we're going to touch the Argentine production numbers barely, if at all. I think that's the bold prediction. I think it's on the back burners now. The government knows we're just watching the U.S. balance sheet. They're just going to take tiny little trims off Argentina and give us a little bit of boost on Brazil. That's fair. Yeah. And I know one thing I would say that I think that a lot of this bearish news is potentially already priced into this market. We've just seen so much pressure that, you know, any sort of numbers that come in line with expectations, we may just see this thing remain stagnant or even get a little bit of a boost. So I hear you, Brandon, especially with the way the managed money positions have moved so dramatically into a substantial net short position, it feels like that market is all moved to one side of the boat. So it could just take a dramatic WASDI report to suddenly move everybody to the other side of the boat. I think maybe that's your upside risk uh, heading into tomorrow's report. Excellent. Well, team, great work. Those were awesome insights and predictions. A big thanks to Brandon for making his debut. Great to have your insights today from Platteville. We'd also like to thank Corey and the Everag Insights crew for their support. Thank you to Paige for her production magic. And thank you to the viewers for watching the Grain Feed. And please make sure to send all those mamas in your life a card or some flowers this weekend. I wish my wife, my mom, Aunt Donna, all those butt-kicking moms here at Everag and our family a very happy Mother's Day weekend. That is all for today. We will see you next time on The Grain Feed.